comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. Foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to episode 57 oh my. of the Stateside Soccer Show. This is Logan's 40th episode. This is exciting. It's like an anniversary. What'd you get me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Jordan Wiegand and... With me today, as always, is uh, somebody I'm rebranding back to Logan Stump because of the outrage that we received. So there he is. How are you today, Logan? Hey, at least you're appeasing the fans. I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, it's uh, We've got T-minus less than two weeks of actual school left, so um, getting into the summer months and a lot of soccer coming up, so pretty excited about that. Uh, I, I know I was going to ask you how you're doing, but I, I kind of know how you're doing. Um, how are you doing, Jordan? You, you Good. You know, it? if you didn't ask, I was actually going to be, a, I was going to be like, oh, I guess nobody cares how I feel. Nobody so, cares uh, about how you feel. <laughs> no, I got my second shot the other day and uh, whew, Thursday I, I was <laughs> out of commission. Today I'm still a little headache, but uh, it was mainly just a headache and fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I would say by like, like I, I was fine most of Wednesday when I got it, mm-hmm. I just got kind of loopy and sore, but I was with it. Like I was like, I was just kind of in and out of those games that we <laughs> yeah. were talking about, but I, I stayed up for the whole San Jose Seattle game. I felt oh, yeah. great. I went to bed and then uh, I woke up at like 4 a.m. to go to the bathroom and I had like a massive headache and I felt like I could barely walk into the bathroom and then like. I had trouble going back to sleep. It was like, no matter which way I tried to lay down, I couldn't get comfortable. So I was just tossing and turning. Mm -hmm. So by six o'clock I was texting my manager, like I'm not coming in. And it's pretty much how I felt until three or four ish. And like my, like I still had the headache, but my, I was not as fatigued once we got later in the day. And I felt good. I read a book. I I read 300 pages out of 380. So like I'd already read the first 80. Mm-hmm. Read like 300 all yesterday. Got it done. They mentioned the Sounders. So that's a nice little segue here. But oh, let me tell you a story. I, I get out of my shop and I'm driving home and I'm like, oh, I just have this feeling. I got to go to Ross. Right. <laughs> I got to go to Ross. So I go to Ross right before I hit up McDonald's. Right. Uh, they're right next to each other. And I go into Ross and I see blue and orange. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to. What is this? Is that Cincinnati? 
go over there. Three XL Cincinnati kit. I'm like, okay, that's not gonna fit. Yeah. And I look down and they got this sweet extra large Cincinnati kit that Jealous. I am wearing right now. So yeah, it was nice. I was gonna say it wasn't on like the clearance sale or um no like twenty if you bucks. Could, if you could score on them, you can get it for free or anything like that. No, no, okay. not with uh no. Unfortunately no it was full price for Ross, twenty bucks. No. You know, I tried to haggle with them a bit. I was like, they're yeah. not even that good this year. Like five <laughs> bucks maybe. And <laughs> I think Ross might have better defense than Cincinnati. But moving on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we are going to be talking about those midweek games that we saw. Wednesday uh, had a whole bunch, a handful, I guess. And Thursday had just a one. Mm-hmm. Of course, was difficult for me to watch just because of the stupid blackout rules. Um, but yeah, so we got we got some games to talk about. I would say that most of them were unsurprising. Would you say? Uh, yeah, all but one. I think uh, surprised me. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that. I think I think it, it was it was kind of one of those like weird midweek lulls where it's just, I don't know. The teams didn't seem as sharp, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my dogs are going a little crazy. Um, hold on. My wife just got home, so they're happy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so let's, let's talk some of these games, talk some headlines here. Uh, do you want to give it a go? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, we got one headline each, right? And then we're doing, right. uh, just because there were not as many games, we're not doing three each like we usually do. So we're doing one headline each, and then we will talk the rest of the games, and then we will uh, look forward to, or we'll pick two games each that we are looking forward to. Yeah, so this will fit in nicely here, um, since it's my only one and only headline. Um <laughs> Dynamo more like dynamite. And Tim Parker sitting behind me. It's kind of weird. Um, did I turn the right way? No, I never turned yeah, the right way. No. Um, so <laughs> he's behind me. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I wanted to talk about the dynamite, just uh, dynamite, dynamo because of they are dynamite. Um, I think that, and we, we started out the season, Jordan and I did uh, live streaming the dynamite. I'm going to keep doing that. Dynamo uh, versus San Jose. Um, and, you know, we were really impressed with both teams, I think. I, I think we were looking at both teams thinking um, they, they took a step forward. And when we talk about San Jose, we'll, we'll get into that too. But um, I don't know. The Dynamo really have impressed me. Uh, the way Tim Parker's kind of come in and solidified that back line. He, you know, Houston really had a hard time in, in leak goals at times last year that really gave them some trouble um, in, in not performing well last season. And uh, if you look back at our predictions – you and I had them really low, I think, right below. Uh, 12th. Right, yeah, I was going to say 12th. Um, so, yeah, I expected them to finish above Vancouver, who were competing for that wooden spoon spot uh, and grabbing that. But I think that, you know, we watched the Dynamo play and, and just the, the attacking play that they've had. I mean, Fafa Pico uh, has come in and done really well. He's, you know, he does a really nice job of when he turns the ball over, he gets ball back he, he he's great with pressuring um the 
I guess the midfielders that it would be for the other team when the ball goes back towards the other end, it, he's able to dislodge balls often and, and get attack play going back towards their end. And so he's really impressed me. Memo Rodriguez has been fantastic. Um, Max Rudy has come in and, and performed extremely well. I thought that he looked good again. He gets a goal um, that, that gave them the win over SKC, which is a big win. Um, but again, everything about them, just uh, they, they've played well. Tab Ramos finally seems to have a, his players in place. I think this is going into year two and having, you know, his personnel there to perform well. I think that he, he is passionate. I don't know if you saw it, Jordan, but uh, 89th minute, he goes sprinting <laughs> down like the, the line towards the line judge and is like furious because it, it was, it was close to, it should have been a foul at least uh, and a yellow maybe then. Uh, and nothing was really called. The ball went out of bounds and it went the other way. And he was, livid uh and chased down that line judge and was given the red card so we'll see how long that he's out and he didn't have very nice words to say but um yeah this team just seems to be really good behind a a leadership like tim parker who has come in and really solidified the defense and and he's looked good in the attack which is shocking because he's usually that center back spot and he actually had a couple passes that he put forward um that, that just really i guess made them even more threatening from a center back position um, and having a good center back like him. Uh, it's a big offseason signing uh, that they've had. So really impressed with Houston, really impressed with what they've got going so far. And they look tough to beat. Uh, I'll give them that. They've scored goals and they defend well. Yeah, and to beat Kansas City is is, uh, is not bad, not a bad result there. It's uh, something that many people probably did not see coming. Um, Derek Jones, former Philadelphia Union player, had a – Good performance there for Houston. Fafak Pico, like you mentioned, former Union player, having a good, uh, maybe not a best night, but uh, just a good season start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that they're, they're definitely, you know, I, we showed that we both put them 12th. If I'm looking at real standings right now, they are fourth in the West, right? Mm-hmm. Ab- but you know what we had right? We had this part right. They are above Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver's in fifth right now in the West. So we have that part right. We have so far the placement right, but the wrong place. Uh, but yeah, so that's a little surprising. But I guess you know what? We didn't really. Was the Par- Parker trade already made when we when we previewed them or no? Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it, um, it, was in, it was within that week. Cause well, I, that I was trying started, to give us a, I was trying to give us a reason why we did not put them so high. Um, and, uh, we, uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I don't, I can't come up with any excuse right now. Um, oh wait, we'll no, think on it. I think we'll I, think I, made, I think I made that graphic wrong, Jordan. I think I had, I we switched, did put them forth. I think and I switched we, them. Yeah. Sure <laughs> that's my fault, man. I, that's my first year that I've done predictions in, you know, Houston and you, you Seattle, know, they look year, alike. Next year, you'll rank them highly, and they'll be like 12th. So <laughs> it, it just is what it is. They'll move to the east. Yeah. Well, that's sometimes <laughs> MLS does that. So I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, let's, let's talk my highlight here. I have Montreal making an impact. And I wish they'd actually changed their name back to impact. But... <laughs> Uh, we have Montreal, who won two nil at Inter Miami uh, after a four hour game. <laughs> after it <laughs> got delayed due to lightning and and storms, but 
just yeah, paused at eight forty three Eastern and restarted at eleven oh five. Um, just the reason why I want to kind of highlight them is because I knew people were giving Miami a lot of crap for how they probably looked, but this was a road win for Montreal. A home road, road win. Home road win. Right? <laughs> where they're playing right now, but. Uh, they go out there, they have this huge delay where they're already winning 2-0. They see out the result. Miami has had some good results this year, so I'm not going to say like this is just them beating up on a bad team when we thought they were going to be a bad team too. And look, they've, they've surprised us. Um, if I show the graphic of where we put them, we had them both last, 14th place in the East with Wooden Spoon uh, for the audio listeners. And if we look now at the standings as they currently sit, where I'm looking, they're first place in the East. <laughs> so, you know, I don't see them staying in first place, but I'm starting to think maybe they have a shot at just making a playoff spot now or being right below that playoff spot. I'm not thinking Wooden Spoon as much for Montreal. Um, that's a good turnaround for them right now. And uh, look, they, they've been able to get the job done. Uh, Miami, I guess we can kind of talk about them a bit, right? Uh, Shawcross didn't have a good game. Uh, didn't really have any threats in the first half. Then you have the weather delay. Um, then, you know, Miami did have some sort of energy after the delay, but not enough to get anything done. And they only had one shot on target, which is the second time in Inter-Miami's history short history, a year and four games, a year and four game history here of um, uh, of only one shot on target. They're being linked to David Luiz, right? They're being linked to, I don't know how many DPs they're going to think they can fit on a, a <laughs> roster here, but they can't have 11. So kind of worried about, you know, I know I, like, would David Luiz come over as a DP, you think? I feel like he'd have to with his money. I don't know if you're going to be able to buy him down. I was going to say, somebody said that they might be able to buy him down to Tam, and I'm thinking there's a lot of other leagues, I think, out there that would buy him up in a heartbeat, uh, you know, more I mean, so than he, what Miami would make fun of David Luiz, but he would instantly be a really good defender in this league. Yeah. And also what he brings other than the defense, you know, the attack and free right. kicks and stuff like uh I, I'm, but I'm not sure if he really fixes this team. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I when you look at it too, Federico Iguain has been probably their best creator, and he's been coming off the bench unless there's been issues with health. Um, Pellegrini, they he's had to now. right. I mean, Pellegrini, they had to sell. I think he's back now to South America. He's on Mexico. loan back to South America. Yeah. With the South American team not paying any of the loan. Right. So you have that headache, and, and they're still dealing with the fallout from that. They are also dealing with the fact that Gonzalo Iguain is just, unlike Chicharito, he's just not it. Uh, he, when you look at him play, he's had chances, and I think he was the one shot on goal, if I can remember correctly, um, and he just hasn't looked great. Robbie Robinson still dealing with the, being you know injury-prone. Mm -hmm. It seems like every year that he's hurt, and it's unfortunate because I think that he's been their best player. But then if you look at Pizarro, they thought that he could do something well with Gonzalo, and Gonzalo hasn't played well. 
Um, and again, they're coming off their mother's death. So, you know, that impacts and it'll have an impact for a couple of weeks here, I think. Um, but like you said, Jordan, th- th- their issues were easily attack. And then all of a sudden it becomes defense again, because when you look at their defense, when you've got Ryan Shawcross as somebody that you think has fixed and solidified a back line when he's barely played in the last like three years, uh, what, what's really the issue here is, is the fact that they just don't bring in good personnel. It seems like they want the shiny pieces. And Davi Luiz has been horrible for Arsenal So, it, as of late. So, I, you know, you really wonder, is it because it's the shiny names? And, and Beckham says, hey, shiny name from England. Let's go with him. Uh, that could be it could really run you into the ground quickly. Because um, you would think that they would have a much better touch with some of these South American players and some of these Hispanic players because of how influential the Hispanic community is in that city. Definitely. Yeah, that's something that you think they'd be taking advantage of, but instead they're bringing all the old Euro stars over. Um, oh, let's talk about another Canadian team here. Got Toronto mm-hmm. winning old school style against <laughs> Columbus Crew with Michael Bradley and Josie Altador scoring goals in the 13th and 87th minute as they turn back the clock here in Columbus. Uh, so pretty interesting. Uh, oh, it was at Toronto. So it was in Orlando. Sorry. Yeah, no it was fans. at Orlando. Yeah, no fans. Uh, so Taldo gets his start. Uh, Akinola started. Uh, Michael Bradley had a few chances early, and he actually gets two shots here that leads to this goal, um, which just wasn't good defense by the crew. They couldn't get the ball out of their box. And then for the second goal, uh, Josie with a nice header late in the game. Omar Gonzalez um, with the first header to find Josie. Bradley playing well at that uh, during that game, at least, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just kind of like a old school Toronto vibe. There makes me wonder a bit. They're very streaky, almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say this. They're very quakes. You don't know if they're going to be good this week or if they're going to be bad this week. That's kind of what I'm feeling from Toronto. They can go out there and lose to Montreal like first week, and they can come back and win against Crew, and then they could lose against another team. And I'm not really sure what to make of them. And when we look at Crew, I know we had Ori on Tuesday, and you know he was mentioning how they were undefeated, great start. I I, I don't think this is a great start anymore for the Crew. I get that they have some injuries and have some issues. Um, but when we're looking at it right now, and I look at the standings, they are ninth place. I was looking for their old logo on here. Shows <laughs> their new logo. Ninth place, five points out of five games. Uh, four games, sorry. So a little bit more than one point a game right now. Uh, but below the playoff line, when they're supposed to run away with the East mm-hmm. after they added great players to their squad, after they won MLS Cup, it just seems like they're kind of having this, I don't want to say like championship hangover or anything, but it's kind of like this little lull that they're kind of starting the season out with. And they had some games. They had some injuries. Like I said, they had some Champions League games where they had injuries and 
midweek matches that they're then bringing uh, to, to start the season. That's always rough. And we're seeing that with a lot of the champions league teams, but ultimately for me, if I'm a crew fan, I'd be a little worried. Look, they're going to probably make the playoffs. Not a, not a super big deal. I don't think, but you know, it, cause it's a long season, but it's four games played so far for them with, a win against DC, mm-hmm. and that's their only win. Three goals, didn't score in the other three matches. Uh, team that we raved about their depth, but like I asked Worry, and I was, uh, you know, he, he said that he wasn't they that crew wasn't con- crew wasn't concerned with their depth. He said that with the midfield injuries, there's a lot of pieces missing. So then I'm thinking. You got to be concerned about your depth because you have nobody sitting in that midfield. Artur has been hurt. Aiden Morris is out for the year. Um, Celereon had to miss a match because of uh, in Champions League. He had to miss that second leg of that match and completely. They just don't. They're not the same team without him. Kevin Molino should be coming back soon uh, if all things go well uh, with Kevin Molino. And you're banking on the fact that Kevin Molino uh, shows up from. Minnesota and, and has a good year. Um, so, you know, it, I, when I'm looking at this team, they're, I think they're bottom of the league in scoring 26th or 25th, uh, 0.25 goals a game. Defense has been like people been missing, people been hurt, uh, can't get people healthy. So, yeah, uh, it, like you said, Jordan, I, I, this isn't the crew team that people thought was going to run away with the, with the East and I'm not sure that they can uh, at this rate. And, and you're looking at a really tough stretch. If they go into this June break of games where they don't play well, and they do have a tough schedule coming up uh, they, they you're going to see a crew team, I think start to feel some of that pressure because of how good people expected them to be. And they have a lot of off field stuff too, going on with the logo and stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, journalists have asked some questions and they're kind of like, we're not concerned about it, but I feel like, uh, when people just keep asking about it, it probably is affecting it somehow, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, it may not be like affecting them where, like, I hate this logo too, but like, where they're like, look, we're a good team and this is all they can focus on type of thing. And, and maybe that plays a role. I don't know. I've never been in locker rooms like that. So I don't know if it does. But mm-hmm. um, when you just keep hearing about the same thing and all that, I feel like it would kind of get old and, you know, they're supposed to be challenging for the eastern uh, top spot supporter shield even you know people are raving about this team and we have them i think we have them uh both number one in the Mm -hmm. east here uh we didn't thankfully assign point totals but um (laughs) well and they can get there obviously it's it's just beginning of the season but you know they're only three points back of top of the east so it's not like we're burying them yet right the lose against this toronto team uh, which is not a good Toronto team, and they're kind of near the bottom of the East right now. It's just a little worrying. And, you know, maybe Columbus will hit the summer and they'll start, when they get to their new stadium, they'll start churning out wins. Maybe, mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, but it doesn't guarantee anything because it's not like Austin where they're playing on the road the whole time. Like, Crew mm-hmm. have been playing at Historic Crew, Historic Crew Stadium and will have the same number of home games as they should. You know, it's not like 
they're playing the back half of the schedule at home where it's going to be an advantage for them. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm a little worried for the crew. A little worried. Uh, but good job, Toronto. And to see Josie on the field scoring, that's what you need because uh, he's not on the field much at all. So to be able to see him score a goal and hope that he's going to be producing at least some sort of number because last year he didn't produce a lot. So to see him producing is good. And they were missing Posuelo and Rosario. So that that's a team that was mm-hmm. dealing with injuries of their own. And they still, they, they, they did. They, I thought they dominated the game. Crew just didn't look at all like they were ever going to score. Okay. So we have a uh, new England revolution at the Philadelphia Union for the ninth hundredth time in the last year. And six minutes in, we have what I think would be a valid... Oh, I'm very blurry. Hello, very blurry. How are you? Very... Uh, I, I think it could have been a penalty. here. Definitely was. Uh, there is no way that this was not a penalty. When you look at the replay, it was like, really? I mean, he only makes contact with Casper in the box. So... You know what? What I, I I didn't get it, and he even looked at it too. So I, I was just I was confused. Yeah, and I I know there were some Union fans that looked and thought, oh, this is actually a good no call. But I'm not seeing anything there that makes me think that this was a good no call. Um, he might get a touch on the ball, but again, that's not all it is, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's not the only thing that you can that you judge it by. Did he get the ball? You know, you have to judge it by numerous things, which include, um, you know, like uh, <laughs> how late is the challenge? Does he get the player as well? Like there, there's a whole combination of things that I think, uh, I'm not trying to sound biased as a union fan here, but I think if I looked at any team getting tackle like that, I'd probably say that's a penalty. Yeah. Oh, even the announcers were saying that, I mean, Danny Higginbottom's like, there. there is no – it's a clear-cut path. He's got an advantage on goal, and the guy just takes him down from kind of behind him, angled it away, and makes no contact with the ball first at all and and, and then takes down Casper for what probably would have been an easy goal for Shabelko. Right, and then there was some more controversy at the end of the match, which we'll get to, but uh, – there is a uh, goal in the 85th minute. Teal Bunbury scores, gives them a lead. Just uh, kind of some sloppy play there. Um, the 88th minute, uh, Turner comes out, gets hit in the face, going up against Shubilko. Uh, right? Shubilko is the one yeah. that ran into him, right? Yep. Um, and then Shubilko is also the one that finishes the ball into the back of the net. Uh, saw a lot of Revs fans up in arms, and Matt Turner even here uh, today during their press conference said there's no maybe. The intent of the action was very clear. Uh, I don't think he intentionally meant to do mm-hmm. this, and I think that if you didn't call uh, the penalty early on, I don't have a problem with not calling this. They, they equal out at this point because the union would have had a goal with letting this stand or potentially scoring a goal with the penalty. So I, I think these are the things in soccer that even out most of the time. Yeah. And I, I'm fine with it. I don't think there was any intention. 
I, I do think sometimes goalkeepers are protected too much. I was, mm-hmm. I know I said that with the Guzan. I'm not sure if I said it on this show, but I texted you that like yeah. over the weekend during the Atlanta Miami game, because I thought it should have been a penalty to Miami mm-hmm. because Guzan, I feel like, yes, he made, he started making the save, but then he lost the ball and then he still took out the player. And to me, the goalkeeper doesn't have an inherent right to the ball. Every player has a right to the ball. And if you touch the ball, yes, and then you try to touch it again and you get somebody, that's a penalty. And in this case, both of these players are going for the ball. Um, and I don't think just because a goalkeeper is touched or hit at times that it's a uh, it's a guaranteed uh, free kick. But... I only, I've only seen Revolution people really upset about this. I haven't seen too many neutrals upset mm. that this goal stood. What, what was your thoughts on it? Uh, it's it's a soccer play that, that unfortunately, I mean, Chappelle's a big striker, so I mean that that arm's going to be in that way anyway. Um, and the way that Turner jumps in, like Turner can see him. Turner sees the ball. He can see the people coming for the ball. Whereas Chappelle, as a striker as a an attacking player you're looking for the ball you're not really necessarily looking for a goalkeeper and Shabelko's big so when he jumped so did Turner and Turner's uh, I think he's probably Shabelko's probably taller than Turner and they, they got up and it was a good clean play I mean it happens uh you know you collide with people um and, and like you said Jordan I think sometimes they get a little too picky like almost almost as if the the goalkeeper is the only one that can you know you can't hit him like the quarterback he's not a quarterback he he actually has the advantage of getting out of the way of players and with the ball because he can catch it they're the guys that are trying to get out of the way with the ball at their feet they can't get away because they can't get their arms up in enough time to try to you know what i mean so again i think they try to protect here and i i thought this was a good no call i thought it was a good uh and honestly to be uh, to be quite fair like you said it, it evens out that that what should have been a penalty for Chabelko. And then you're talking about a union three points instead of a union one point barely at the end because, you know, just luck of the draw. Chappelle goes able to punch that one in um, and get a point at home. Yeah, I was just watching it while you were talking there. I, yeah. I, I don't see much intent, to be mm-hmm. honest, there um, on on it. Uh, you know, Chappelle not usually a. Dirty no. player, but I will say once I saw Turner on the ground, I was thinking this is getting called back because of how often they usually do protect goalkeepers in these mm-hmm. instances. That I was like, all right, I didn't celebrate. I was yeah. like, I'm waiting for this to be overturned because that's just usually how it is. Now I will say, uh, with Union's dirty history uh, here in 2021, maybe they should have called it. Maybe it was on purpose. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know goalkeeper. what's going on with them this year. To be honest. <laughs> And, and that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that we're like in a in a sense like this, where I do think this is an unintentional and not really a foul because both are going up for it, and mm-hmm. he wins the header, right? Um, I think the if you keep having this history of where you are doing these things, then a ref could call it, thinking mm-hmm. that it is intentional. So I, I think that's one thing you got to be worried for if you're a Union fan is trying to you know like some some of you fans are like oh i love that we're fighting and stuff like this but if it becomes a thing that people are known for then every playlet that is exactly like this is going to get called against you because you have this like um what, what am i trying to say here you have like this uh you have this reputation reputation yeah. exactly thank you sorry no you're fine and um, one thing I will say, uh, just overall in general, speaking of the two teams, uh, I thought that this was 
I even though it's a midweek game, and I think that's why it was not as like fun to watch. I guess uh, is because these two teams, I think, are, are top teams in the East, and now you go and add uh, Daniel Gazdog to a mm-hmm. Union team at the bottom of a diamond, where a number ten like Anthony Fontana can't get the job done. So they're going to use Miro, I imagine, on with Bedoya on the sides, with Flock in the back, and and that diamond, man, it's like. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go through that diamond. That's a scary diamond. And, and Kyle, uh, Kai Wagner has played really well. Uh, Bozio is probably one of those sneaky signings of the year. Um, just have got how good he's been. And Klesnes and Elliot have been phenomenal. Um, now you add in Gazdog, you move uh, McGlenn, I guess, to the bench. And, and you have Gazdog running that number 10 with Sergio Santos and Presbilco. Then you add in uh, guys like, is it DeVries? DeVries? Is that how um, DeVries, and then, DeVries. And then uh, Fontana, they were talking about either you trade him for more money or what you could do is have him kind of fill in those spots where needed. And they said that, you know, looking at a double striker, sometimes he, he can be more effective as a, as a second striker to kind of set up Chabelko or Santos, depending on what day they use him. I do just want to correct you on something. Basio has been here since 2018. So oh, not I really, like, yeah, can't not be really signing, signing of the Thanks. year. Uh, <laughs> but I thought he was new. I guess I, I don't know. Why he just took he over for Ray Gaddis. I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why I thought. Uh, but yeah, so the, um, yeah, he probably would not be playing if Ray Gaddis was still here just because of the back, you know, like kind of getting blocked at that position. Uh, one thing I will say with the union, I'm not as high on them as you are at this yeah. point. They're 10th. Yeah, it's still just three points out of first. That's how it bunched up the East is. But that is now their third game at home to start this season with no wins at home. They beat Chicago on the road. They drew with Columbus on the road. And then they've had two losses at home and a draw at home. So they got to start picking up some three points at home if they want to be near the top of the East. So I, I am a little worried about that, and I think Union fans should be as well. They're averaging one point per game right now, which is below Columbus, below Atlanta, and right in line with Miami and Toronto at this point. So, um, Look, this is what I think when we were looking at previewing the season and stuff, when we're saying, hey – we can't put everybody in the top four or everybody in the top seven is because I think the East is going to be like this throughout the whole season. I think it's going to be very bunched up except for maybe the bottom two teams, Mm -hmm. Cincy and Chicago. If Cincy can't get their stuff together, I think that Cincy and Chicago will be near the bottom and all the other clubs are going to be in line for possibly getting into the playoffs Mm -hmm. almost through the last month of the season. And especially they're going to be beating up on each other the whole time because we only have like what two West games for each pl- each team or so. So yeah. that's going to be it's going to make the East very exciting this year. I think to actually yep. watch like it may not be better than the West, but it's going to be I think more bunched up than the West, and that's going to be pretty crazy. But we'll yeah. see. Maybe maybe both le- uh, both conferences are just going to be bunched up like crazy. Um, I want to talk Vancouver at Minnesota United. <laughs> Uh, I made a joke on here that Vancouver was going to win. So there you go. You're welcome, Minnesota fans. You got your first win due to my bad joke. And uh, Bila scored 72 minutes in for his first uh, first goal as a Minnesota United 
player. Um, but uh, Vancouver, who's been who were on a roll for a bit there, um, but just can't really open play wise. They have some problems. But I'd say maybe the biggest storyline is not really the win, but maybe the clean sheet of Minnesota. Because I don't know if the clean sheet is due to Minnesota playing better defense this game or Vancouver's problems. What do you think? Um, so watching the game, there was a moment, and I want to say it was, I, I guess, like 20 minutes to 35, 40 minutes, that Vancouver was just absolutely having their way with Minnesota's defense. Like, <laughs> Minnesota can't get close and pressure anything. And, uh, uh, you know – against a team that doesn't really have a creative 10, uh, I think really helped them because there were times where the ball would retreat backwards when they would get into threatening positions in the Minnesota defense because they didn't have anybody to kind of break that back line with any passes. So I think that that's where, if I'm a Minnesota fan, like, yes, I'm thrilled I got three points, but I would still be really close to hitting that panic button because there was, I mean, seriously, there was a good time where, it felt like Vancouver had the ball 100% of the time and was just running through the defense and getting pretty much anything they wanted at will. They just couldn't get anybody on the end of the of the uh, play to, to kind of finish. And I thought Cavallini probably played his worst game um, that that match than he had all season because I think that mm-hmm. his threatening runs and different games that he's played this year, I th- thought that, that if they had done that, then this team would have, uh, I think, beat Minnesota because Minnesota – only owns that, you know, really good play and Abula gets that goal. Other than that, I thought that Vancouver, for the most part, and that's hard to say because I don't think Vancouver is a very good team. Uh, you know, I watching them, they, they made Minnesota look pretty equal to them, which is not good if you're Minnesota fans. I, I do – I'm still very concerned uh, with Minnesota's defense, even though it's a clean sheet. I would agree. Minnesota's still bottom of the – West. They mm-hmm. have three points now, so they're actually even with Portland, but Portland has that game in hand. So don't really know how it's going to shake up. But look, you're in good company down there right now, Minnesota. You got Portland and LAFC with you. That's but, <laughs> but LAFC and Portland have huge injury issues while Minnesota does not really. So mm-hmm. Portland might be writing off the season. Uh, LAFC will be getting Vela back at some point and then going on hopefully uh, a good run where they can start challenging a bit more. Um, so let's let's look at Sounders at San Jose. Christian Roldan scored a cracker of a goal 18 minutes in uh, because you all know that a- MLS at MLS After Dark is always. Just bangers. Banging goals every time. Um, Seattle undefeated against San Jose since 2015. That's 14 matches with eight wins and six draws. And it's the longest active unbeaten run by any MLS team against another. Uh, We got a bad knee injury for Jordy Delem in the third minute. Uh, We also get a handball call that's reviewed by VAR. And Yamar did not have uh, his hand in a... Uh, unnatural position, so it's overturned. Then we get the Christian Roldan goal. Then you get uh, Cade Cowell, who who uh, had a great shot in the 37th minute. 
and we get the Stefan Fry injury late in the half, like 91st minute, so much so that Alex Rodon, actually, because they were out of subs, had to come on, put on the gloves, put on the kit, <laughs> and look very natural, sarcastically. Um, <laughs> he fit Howard, right like... in with, with Slagle, actually, because, you know, like Slagle, <laughs> if you look at him trying to make one of those penalty saves at first, he's kind of like, what do I do? And he like right. looks awkward. Alex Rodon was a little awkward, but he did make a save when he had to, uh, which keeps the one nil lead. And it's disappointing for the Quakes, right? But I mm. think that one nil Sounders, uh, I, I think maybe a one one draw would have been fair for this. I think Quakes put on a good display. I think Sounders put on a good display. And uh, I'm surprised I was able to stay up for it all because it was so late here on the East. But uh, I enjoyed this match, and look, I, I've talked about my affinity for uh, Sounders before. So to see them at after this injury to uh, Jordan Morris be first place with 13 points after five matches, it's pretty impressive. Undefeated still, um, along with Orlando. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, and Nashville, sorry. But no, crew, right. crew lost that, uh, and there's now only three. So Crew lost their uh, four, uh, lost their undefeated status. But, yeah, just uh, look, Wando uh, didn't have a lot of chances. It was, uh, you know, they, they couldn't really get the ball to him. And when Kate Cal came out, I think that they lost something because I thought Cal had put some good – chances towards Christian Espinoza who would uh, shank him or, or not really be able to finish him. And some of these were really great balls from Cade Cowell that I was like, this kid mm. is only 17. It's going to be, mm-hmm. it's going to be great. And I, I've seen the sentiment on us men's national team t- Twitter that he's just, he's just like a specimen specimen, you know, that he's just yeah. fast and strong. Uh, that he's not as good with the ball, but some of these passes he makes, man, I don't see how anybody can say that about him. Because um, some of these passes were just really good that I think he could have had two or three assists, in all honesty, on that game. But it is what it is, and Seattle goes home with three points, and they're still top of the league as Supporter Shield contenders. And we have to start asking Logan, are they the favorites for Supporter Shield, even with the Stefan Fry injury? Yeah, because uh, there was some updates about Stefan Fry. It does sound like it's not, uh, which is great news. It doesn't sound like it's going to be season ending. I think it's kind of more along the lines of like the Pato entry where it's cleaning up that knee mm-hmm. or whatever happened. I think it was minor things because he, he tweeted out something like, good news, good updates, while not positive, much better than tearing something important. So I think it was much more of like that back of that knee or something in the knee that needs just now cleaned up. Um, which could usually mean just months, and especially with some of these prolonged breaks that we're getting ready to have in the summer, um, could really help him. He's a little older, so that's where some concern can come in. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think when you look at it, uh, they're just—they've been so good, and it's been without Nico Ladero. Um, like we said with our power rankings last week, I think that when you or <laughs> this week uh, with uh, just the way that they've been playing, uh, I love the name that they come up. With, uh, I'm sure it's not original, but it's Broldon's. Uh, with the brothers, it's uh, Christian's been, and we'll get into just how good he's been because he gets named to the roster. But 
Um, Christian's played really well. Alex has played really well. Uh, I think Atencio has been really great. Uh, Ra- Raul Rui Diaz is, is top, uh, top class. So I think that this team, while yes, they're going to miss uh, Stefan Fry, that that's much easier of a band-aid to fix rather than having like a Sebastian Blanco who's out for Portland and doesn't really seem like he's on the men very well. Um, that's a lot different, I think. And then Atanella is going, dropping back from him. Um, I, I think that the kid that they have behind him is just not ready yet. So, you know, if Stefan Fry does end up missing some time, maybe they can get somebody on loan or something like that with the, with the window coming up. Um, but I think that right now, yes, I, I would say that Sounders are favorites, but uh, I'm really, really happy with the way that San Jose is playing because it's just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's uh, um, just really good from the Sounders and the fact that San Jose is, uh, you know, doing doing so well this year. We'll we'll see if that is something that they're going to be able to stick with. You know, that's that's the question, right? Because sometimes it's an early start for them. We we don't know. We had these questions, right? We always had these questions. Um earlier this 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 season right where we before the season started are they going to be good enough right like are they going to be able to see out games that they need to see out and they've had a weaker schedule and i'll tell you the reputation for quakes (laughs) i guess joy doesn't pay attention to this all that much but she was like watching it watching it while i was watching it and she said aren't, aren't the quakes bad <laughs> and i was like eh, they're actually like the second best team in the league right now but i said but they also had a weaker schedule but they you know they play these exciting games where you never know if it's going to be four to one or one nil or three three you know <laughs> you just never know how it is and mm-hmm. i just thought it was funny that she knew of that kind of reputation that they've had. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how. I don't think I really talked that much quakes in the household, but it is what it is. Uh, that is almost all the games. That's all the games for Wednesday. Then on Thursday with Chicago at DC, seven minutes in, Edison Flores scores for DC United. Uh, Paul Ariola made his return after his injury. And the fire started getting a little bit more comfortable in the match and almost equalized here with uh, Fabian Herbers uh, off the crossbar on a header in the 91st minute. What do you think is more surprising out of this game? That DC United beat Chicago or Chicago almost equalized or because this isn't, this isn't a good, Chicago team that we know of DC surprisingly six points. They're in mm-hmm. fifth place in the East right now after five games played. Uh, but we don't anticipate them staying there, but they have Orlando coming up next this weekend. Just what are, what are your thoughts on this game? I, I'm, I'm just shocked that, that Calvo can, can remain a defender. And I know he's a DP, so it's like, you gotta, gotta justify it with playing time. But uh, he just uh, he gets beat all the time. I mean, all the time. It's not like he goes out there and he has a couple good tackles that kind of. Make. He is constantly getting beat. Set pieces, 
Div- or attacking players going in and through him. I, ball's not being cut off. He's actually had chances to where he's tried to pass out of the back again, and that's not gone well for him. Playing out of the back should not just be like that's just not a that's not a Chicago style that they need. It's not like the pizza. It, it needs to stop because I they are so disastrous in the back that that is just not working. I don't know what Raphael Wiki can do. I don't know if he can change formation because he's seems to be unwilling to change it from that back three. I, they just seem so exposed back there because all their midfielders, to be honest, are more attack-minded, so there's not really much in the way to help Calvo. So, you know, that, that, that's part of the issue. And that, the, I'm just surprised that it keeps going like this. I, how much longer can it go? Because I think you're looking realistically at a team that could very well be the Wooden Spoon team because I think at least Cincinnati can kind of come up out of this malaise with their attack. Whereas I'm not sure Chicago can, because Chicago hasn't looked it. They just don't look threatening an attack. Stojanovic is their best player. He hasn't, you know, if he has to miss games, then he's, you know, that's not going to be good for them. Barrich can't get anything because he can't, nobody creates for him on the wings, which they thought was a big issue coming in. They needed to shore up some of those wing spots and get some more depth there. But, yeah, I, I'm just really, really not impressed with what Chicago can do. And meanwhile, Aaron Lasada looks like he's bringing an exciting form of soccer to D.C., which is really exciting because I think that as time goes on and he can add more pieces that are his own, I think that eventually in a couple of years, D.C. could have some, some good positive results uh, as far as finishing the table, getting to the playoffs and pushing for that playoff spot. Uh, Losada had some great quotes after the fact here as well, where he was talking about how uh, they play Orlando this weekend, and he mm-hmm. was checking to see who Orlando played midweek, and he was like, "Like f Orlando didn't play anybody this week, so he'll be really rested." And uh, yeah, he just seems. Like I a like lot of him. Fun. Yeah, he, he seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, I listened to a press conference with him when he came over, and he speaks really well in English, so he was able to give the. The because I, th- I don't forget where exactly where he's from. I don't want to guess, but um, but yeah, he's he's in that same mold I think with Heinze, where he's very like at least honest, and he's actually more humorous than Heinze. I think Heinze can kind of be arrogant sometimes, but um, yeah, I really like what Lasada does. Yeah, so that's the games that happened this this week. I will say though. Um, I will be having some Chicago style pizza when I go down to Florida. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. You got me hungry for it. Mm. And tonight's pizza night too, but I can't get any Chicago style here. That sucks. Yeah. They don't have it here. That's weird. In Maryland. They don't, I guess we have Maryland pizza. I don't know. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> let's take a look ahead of what's coming up. The Stateside Soccer Show. Talking the beautiful game in the land of the free. Breaking down Major League Soccer, U.S. Men's National Team, and more with Logan and Jordan. Uh, Tomorrow, Saturday the 15th, we start off at 1 o'clock with NYCFC versus Toronto. We'll see if Toronto has another one of these up and down games where, you know, they, they play well, then they don't. Because uh, NYCFC has been on a roll this season. So mm-hmm. this will be a big test for Toronto. And it's at Yankee Stadium. So we'll see how many home runs Toronto gets. Then on the 15th as well at 3.30 on uh, that one. Oh, sorry. The New York City FC in Toronto is on 
MLS Live on ESPN+. Plus. LA Galaxy versus Austin's on Univision, TUDN, and Twitter. That's at 3.30. Uh, that's at LA Galaxy, Dignity Health Sports Park, because uh, Austin's still waiting for their stadium next month. Seven o'clock. So we have a gap there. Seven o'clock, Atlanta versus Montreal on ESPN Plus. Then at 7.30, the Philadelphia Union versus their rivals, the New York Red Bulls on ESPN Plus. That's at Subaru Park. So it's another home game opportunity for the Union to turn it around. But New York Red Bulls have been playing some inspiring football, uh, especially some of their youngsters here. Then we have Minnesota United at 8 o'clock versus FC Dallas. The the hits just keep coming for Minnesota. Dallas <laughs> is not an easy team. Uh, Minnesota, this is at Minnesota, so we'll see if they're able to get it going again here. Colorado at 9 o'clock versus Houston. That's on ESPN+. Plus. Real Salt Lake and Nashville at 9.30 on ESPN+. Plus. And at 10 o'clock, San Jose versus Portland. So San Jose has the gauntlet of the mm. Cascadia teams there. Um, that's on ESPN+. Plus as well. Then Sunday, May 16th, Kansas City versus Vancouver at 2 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Then on Big Fox, it is the FC Cincinnati versus... Miami at 4 o'clock. So right when I play my softball games. They're going to be opening that new stadium. Yeah. I'll have to watch this Mm. one on recording, I guess. Uh, New England Revolution versus Columbus Crew at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Then at 8 o'clock, it is DC United versus Orlando on ESPN+. That's at 8 o'clock. I could go to that game. I can't, though, but I could. I could go see Orlando. Go, because uh, I will <laughs> On FS1 at 9.30, it is Seattle versus LAFC. So we're each going to highlight two games here that we think you should look out for and spend your time watching, and I'm going to give it to you first, Logan. All right, so first game that I'm highlighting, and I guess we'll do this in order just because it's easier that way. Uh, first game, Saturday night. Uh, it's going to be the Philadelphia Union playing at Subaru Park against the Red Bulls. You kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, Caden Clark has played extremely well. Frankie Amaya seems to have a great role in Jared Struber's uh, system there at Red Bulls. They are playing inspired football. Andrew Gutman looks great. Um, Aaron Long back, I think. I think he was suspended or hurt or something. Um, hurt. No. I don't know. I'm making that up. Um, <laughs> he doesn't play for them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so it it's a game that I'm looking forward to because you're right, Jordan. Philadelphia needs to stop dropping points at home, especially three points, because they they are a team that is very should be very difficult to beat at Subaru Park. And they were all last year, right. except for the playoff game. Yeah. Right. I guess they got to play the the Rebs there a couple more times to get back into the flow of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. maybe this fixes them. Um, it does sound like uh, they won't get their new edition until June. I think God's dog is scheduled to come over and get all his visa stuff and, and the works. Um, just one Hungarian player of the year. Um, but before that, I, I think I, I need to see, I need to see union really, I guess, control the ball in more threatening areas. I need to see, uh, cause their defense, their defense is going to be as solid as, as can get out. Cause they, they, they just have a really solid defense. And with a, Red Bulls team that's hot. I think that the, the Union have a, a, a keeper that can keep them off the sheet. Um, 
I'm looking more towards like can Union grab two or three goals? Like they need one of those like breakout attacking performances because I'm not sure they've quite gotten that yet. And it's still, I guess, the jury out on can Shabelko pump in a lot of goals with Sergio Santo? Like, can they get enough going um, in the attack to, to really make it threatening? Uh, I still think the union should have gone out with that money that they haven't gotten maybe a, a, better, a more proven striker, a better goal scorer, to be honest with you. But because um, that diamond's really threatening. But yeah, th- th- this game, excited to see what they do. The, the pieces that um red bulls have the way that their defense has been uh, a team that i think is pushing towards the top of the east and could make a run at the nycfc and montreal sitting up there at top so um really looking forward to this match all right and your second game uh second game we will move over to sunday at 6 p.m that's going to be columbus crew and the Revs, it's at New England Gillette Stadium. Bill Belichick uh, probably won't have Brady start. but They're tough to um, beat there. They are. <laughs> but uh, this game here I've highlighted because, and not so much, I guess, no, let's go with both. I want to highlight both of them because I think the Revs, you and I text this all the time, I'm still not convinced yet. Like, people are like, oh, they're the best team in the East. I was listening to Extra Time today, and they were talking about it too. Like, this is a really good team. I haven't, I haven't seen that. I must be watching the different Rebs team. Because um, even against Union, it wasn't until late that they started to put things together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a big question mark. And then you've got the crew who are kind of limping into this game again. Uh, that seems to be their story of 2021 when this team was supposed to have the depth to handle this kind of thing. Um, a team that was supposed to run away with the East doesn't look like it's going to run away. It looks like it's going to limp back into the pack with the rest of uh, those top two or three teams. Um, so I'm really interested to see what they can do. Uh, can Zellerayon get this team going in a way that, you know, I, I thought he's, I think he's been rather quiet since uh, the beginning of the year. So, you know, it's, it's been an interesting start for the crew. It's been an interesting start for the revs. Uh, I think this is a matchup that we all thought looking at the schedule, this was going to be like a heck of a matchup here in week, I guess, match week five. Um, that, that we were looking forward to had circled on our calendars. Now it's kind of like, can these teams kind of come up out of their little funk that they're in with goal scoring? You say that, but you did circle this one on the calendar. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but not for the right reasons. Not for the right reasons, okay? Yeah, yeah. I no, mean, I, I totally understand what you mean about yeah. uh, New England because, I mean, look, they beat D.C. by one goal. That was an own goal. They lost to Nashville, which – Jury's out on them still, I guess. Uh, they they draw with the Union. Um, I think New England fans will say that they feel like they should have won that game because of that Shabelko call. So who knows? Um, and I think uh, earlier in the season they what they drew with drew with Chicago. the fire. Yeah, yeah. None chilling. of it's been good. <laughs> none of it has really been good. Uh, I mean, yes, they're up. <laughs> They're up in second place with only one loss, two wins, two draws. But uh, they've they've g- scored six goals. They've given up six goals. So not not much there to really. I don't see this dark horse prediction that that we've been giving. Now you've put them in the power rankings. If you want to watch that video on YouTube, mm-hmm. they have them fifth. But if we look at the week before, they're second. Uh, but 
I, I think they are falling. I think if you made this list now, I don't know if you would actually put them in the top. No, depending on what happens this weekend, I guess. Yeah. I and uh, and again, we keep talking about it. It's Adam Buxa. Not he's not going to grab you twenty goals, fifteen goals, and that's what a team in a two spot needs. They need a goal scoring striker. Well, they don't have one, uh, and. Carly's heel is the only one that could even come close to that. And he doesn't really look to score. He's much more creative just trying to get guys at the open spaces. And then you got Gustavo Bo, who, you know, back and forth and back and forth. He's hot and cold. Kind of reminds me of Ezekiel Barco uh, for Atlanta. Just mm. you don't know what you're going to get with him day in and day out. So that, that's been a concern. And, you know, their defense is not like going to lock you down. Like it's, eh, it's all right. But Here, really- here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Because th- I think this was proven last year. They're not built for the regular season. Yeah. I think if they make the playoffs and they get hot around that time like they did last year mm-hmm. and they knock off Union and Orlando and or like uh uh yeah, they beat yeah. Orlando, right? Yeah, they beat Orlando. That could be a little worrisome. I think like I think what you're seeing now is that Gustavo Bo and Books are being a little inconsistent and they're relying on heel. Last year when he came back and they made that playoff run, Buxa and Bo were actually scoring goals. Yeah. And I think that is something that if they get on fire and they are all firing on cylinders, on all cylinders, mm-hmm. this is a team that's going to be dangerous. But I think where that like hot streak is more prevalent is playoffs right like i think regular season you can go on a run and get some points but like i'm still not sure i'd want to see this team in the playoffs right uh yeah. but i i think we can maybe put to bed them being the best team in the league or mm-hmm. or like I, I don't think the supporter shield winner is coming from the east this year um we kind of proved that with our Western predictions that we put out here. Uh, just substitute that team for Seattle, and you probably got what I what I would change it to right now. Um, let me go over mine real quick here. My first one uh, is LA Galaxy in Austin. That is on Saturday at three thirty on Univision and Twitter. Uh, that is a one I wanted to highlight because Austin's been surprisingly good, but they are going to be mix- missing ring this game due to the mm-hmm. red card uh and this is another away game for them but it's another game where you could be like oh they're actually playing well but i think ring missing ring might lessen that chance but galaxy can they can they kind of continue their streak uh with goal scoring chicharito and uh they are what the second in the West, I believe. Third in the West, nine points, four games. So if they get a win here, they'll be one back of Seattle with the same amount of games played, and they'll jump over San Jose. Uh, when we look at their points per game right now, they're at 2.25, which is the second highest in the league right now. Uh, the first highest is Seattle, 2.6. San Jose right now is at 1.8. Um Real Salt Lake's at 2.0 because they've only played three games. <laughs> so th- that is, uh, I think LA Galaxy have a good shot of making this a statement game. I think Austin has a good shot of making this another statement game, but I think with Ring missing, uh, it's going to be less of one. Um, 
and man, it could you imagine if they lose to another LA team, they'll probably start hating both of them uh, in the city itself. Uh, the second game I want to cover is the other LA team, LAFC versus Seattle. Feels like we just went through this uh, two weeks ago. because <laughs> we did. But this time it's at Lumen Field up in Seattle, 930 against LAFC. And you have to think that Seattle, if Vela's not ready to go, is going to win this game, depending on Stefan Fry and, and their goalkeeper situation. But uh, they're going to be at home. This is a great chance for them to make another statement because they usually have LAFC's number. <laughs> so if, if they do that again and they uh, keep claiming these three points, they're going to be favorites for the Supporter Shield, no doubt. And it's going to make all of us look silly as I put them fifth, you put them fourth. We really thought that they were going to be on this downward trajectory. And now they might even... like. Could you imagine if they make another MLS Cup after they made <laughs> four out of five and won two of them or whatever? If they made another one and won it, or you know, even if they didn't win it, yeah. At that point, you're just like you're looking at Smetzer and you're saying you are. He's got he's got to be coach of the year if they win supporter shield. Mm -hmm. If they win the supporter shield, he's coach of the year because he did this formation change. He he made it adapt. When everybody was counting them out, and he would have, and if he wins supporter shield, there, there's nobody else to give it to. Who else are you going to give it to? Yeah, right now they're like heads above. They're they're like the Columbus crew that we thought the Columbus. Crew yes, were exactly. They're <laughs> exactly who we thought the crew were. Yeah. So it's just this team that keeps running away with it. Uh, and man, do they look? They just keep putting pressure on all these teams and just absolutely smashing teams in. I know there's people that hate Seattle, but. Man, do I, I like watching them. them. Yeah. I admire them so much because mm -hmm. they came into this league and won like four straight U.S. Open Cups. Uh, you know, the, now they're on this run of MLS Cup Finals, and they won two of them. And it, it is astounding that if they got there again and got three, that'd be like the fastest I think any team has gotten three, except for maybe D.C. United, just because they won the first two and then had one in 04. But the most that any club has is five with la galaxy if you keep smetzer here and you keep this and, and and you let them keep building the seattle team they are favorites i think to become the winningness team mm -hmm. in mls history they just gotta i mean and they could already have right they like i said they lost two right so you'd have four and if they won it this year, they'd have five. Yeah, they like they could, they could have the way that they've. If you keep getting the finals, you're gonna win them, right? That's the, that's the thing. And that's I just admire team. this team because they go yeah. from winning MLS Cup in 2016 with no shots on goal to now becoming this trajectory of like, oh, we're no, we're actually really good. <laughs> um, man, I just and this is all without Ladero's. We keep mentioning mm -hmm. it's it's astounding <laughs> and. Man, I just wish my club was run like that, in all honesty. And I'm not trying to complain about how the union are run, I guess, but it, it is something that you look at and you just say, like, I wish all my sports teams were run like <laughs> like the Sounders at this point. And I think if you looked at the salary stuff, they actually... They're not that high. They're not the that list. high. Yep. Rui Diaz and Ladero both in the $2 million a year range or whatever, mm -hmm. which is astounding because they're so good. Now, I know I've used that word a lot, astounding, but 
astounding. I mean, astounding. yeah, when you, when you look at how much other people and other clubs are pay, paying, Cincinnati's paying a whole bunch. They're not getting much for it, but they're paying a whole bunch, and it's kind of like Seattle's paying less and getting all these players that fit their system and, and making it work. It's amazing. He, he broke his system to then become yeah. better. Which it's like what and and what was really impressive about the San Jose win is he came out of that formation and, and put them back into a normal formation that he is usually used. So I I do like you said, Jordan. He and I tweeted this and people like, oh, I don't know, I don't agree with that. That's too early to call Schmetzer the coach of the year. I'm like, if they really, you said early though, right? Like, I mean, right? It wasn't like, oh, let's give him the now because it's only four games, five games in. But I did say early, but. If you win the next three games heading into June, into that break, and then you come off of it and you have a nice little run because none of their guys are really going to be guys that are pinpointed for those international tournaments. So, you know, it, it they'll come back and they might perform well. Nico will be fully fit. And, gosh, this team could absolutely just run away, if, if and especially with Portland looking like they might hang out in the bottom part of yeah, that. Yeah, who challenges them? The Galaxy? Yeah. San Jose yeah, and LAFC if they get up there, right? Like right. I don't know who else. Mm. I'm looking at it. I don't think Houston has enough to challenge them from no. the West. Vancouver certainly doesn't. Rapids don't. Right. Maybe Kansas City if they got on a streak. Yeah. But other no, than right. that, it's the Galaxy. I think it's ga- it's probably Galaxy because I don't yeah. think San Jose keeps up for the whole year. So if you're looking at a West winner, you're thinking Galaxy or Sounders, and Sounders destroyed galaxy when they played so that is they've got a three-headed monster up front too like freddie montero i I laugh whenever they're like oh freddie's been with vancouver and he's just not been this vancouver was horrible you can't tell me that freddie was gonna strive with vancouver can score like 12 goals and we see vancouver having those same sort of issues this year with with chance creation right so and brad smith i mean it's all brad smith it is all right uh let's go over this roster real quick so this was released and we have more time today to go over it but this Mm -hmm. is for the preliminary uh nations league roster um why why is it um oh is this just like two different is this the same so like uh, two pages yeah, I was looking at it and I was like, why is it all funky? Yeah, it's two pages. Okay. Like, I don't know why the bottom one looks so different. And I think it's because the teams on the bottom, if you look at the team names on the bottom, like USA, Germany, they're all blank. Like, they're space weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. Uh, it's alphabetical. So, midfielder, Brendan Aronson, uh, Tyler Adams at Leipzig, Paul Ariola which a lot of people were shocked by. Tyler Boyd over in Besiktas. Uh, John Anthony Brooks. Reggie Cannon. So there's our two defenders. We had two forwards listed there. As Ariola's listed as a forward. So is Tyler Boyd. Uh, Conrad De La Fuente listed as a forward from Barcelona. Lucas. Uh, so his name is Lucas, but his, he goes by Luca. Luca De La Torre from Herrick. Heracles um, in the Netherlands midfield uh, defender Sergino Dest from Barcelona uh, Daryl DK from they have it Barnsley listed here of course it's Orlando on loan at Barnsley 
Nicholas Giacchini from uh, Kane in France. Um, Horvath, Ethan Horvath from Club Bruges, goalkeeper. Sean Johnson from NYCFC. Sebastian Legette from Galaxy. Aaron Long from Red Bulls. Weston McKinney uh, from Juventus. Um, Mark McKenzie from Genk. Matt Miazga from Anderlecht, also Chelsea. Uh, Eunice Musa from Valencia. David Ochoa uh, from Real Salt Lake. Uh, Otosui over in Wolverhampton. Kellen Acosta from the Rapids. Christian Pulisic from Chelsea. Tim Ream from Fulham. Giovanni Reyna from Dortmund. Brian Reynolds from Roma. Chris Richards from Hoffenheim, on loan from Bayern Munich. Anthony Robinson from Fulham. Miles Robinson from Atlanta. Christian Roldan from Seattle. Josh Sargent from Werder Bremen. Uh, Jordan Siabachu from Young Boys in Switzerland. Zach Steffen from Manchester City. Matt Turner from New England Revolution. Sam Bynes from the Rapids, Timothy Weah from Lille, DeAndre Yedlin from Galatasaray, Jackson Yule from San Jose, Giassi Zardes from Columbus Crew, and Walker Zimmerman from Nashville. I was like, there's not really many surprises. I saw a lot of people on Twitter up in arms that Julian Green wasn't included, and I, Why? Just, I just don't care. <laughs> don't. We should put Michael Bradley and Joe. He's in the second division right? in Germany. And yes, he's had a decent season, Man. but nothing that flash from the past stands out. Maybe Gold Cup roster, sure, but uh, I don't know. People were livid with Marchinkowski being left off too, and I I think that every Gold goalkeeper Cup. on there is yeah. Well, I don't know. They're going to be mad because they're he's not going to get. I mean, people are going to get mad at that World Cup qualifying roster too because he won't be on it here's the thing people are going to be mad no matter what yeah that's true um when we get our final 23 for the world cup if we qualify people are going to be upset Mm -hmm. because some player from the third division of sweden is not going to be on there that they rate very highly um, and they'll be upset that somebody like Sebastian Legette's on. I was going right? to say some MLS. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I saw people upset that Christian Roldan has been up there, and I know he's, I love he it. hasn't he hasn't done much on the international level for mm-hmm. the USA, but he's had a great season. He There's has. no way you can leave him off. I don't think he goes to the Nations League, but I think he's on the Gold Cup. Yeah, I like when I uh, I was going through this list, and I'm like, okay, pretty much everybody that I thought. Um, I was shocked because I didn't know Ariola was going to be back this early. And yesterday I texted you like, wait a minute, he's back. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't even check the 18 that were listed. But um, but the next one that was up was Christian Roldan. Like you said, Jordan, he's had a great season here. He's played well. Plus, you just got to really like him the way that he – I mean, he's, he hustles. He, he gives it your all. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Sebastian Legette. Like, I think people want to mm-hmm. just dig at him because he's, a mil- he's MLS. He's not necessarily the star-studded player that you think of. But how great would he be uh, if you add him to midfield depth when you know you're going to get a solid performance out of him every single time he touches the pitch? Here's what people got to understand. We're not going to have our first 11 no. on Nations League, Gold Cup, and qualifying. You're going to have to spread some of these players out because all these tournaments. 
And that's why we have these deep players. And I saw people saying Julian Green above Christian Roldan. Well, let's just say I don't know if Julian Green, one, would even want to come over for Gold Cup. I mean, like sometimes these players, you know, they look back and say, maybe I, you know, they could decline call-ups. We don't know if he did or not, but I'm just saying it's not always a Burhalter thing. It could be. You know, he likes Rodon, it seems. But I look at that list and I think we got a pretty solid list. And Nations League, you're probably going to see all the internationals. Uh, the reason why I think Horvath is listed instead of like Marcinkowski, because I think Horvath is going to be called up for the Nations League. He's going to be third string, probably. You're probably going to have, or maybe second string. You're going to have Stefan Stark. You know he didn't get to start this game against City. Uh, that City played today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're gonna have Stefan start, I think, at goal, and Horvath probably. And behind him, second or third. I think Sean Johnson, Marcinkowski, Matt Turner. I think those are probably good Gold Cup candidates. I know Marcinkowski is not listed on here, but this yeah. is not this is not the roster just for the Gold Cup, or this is just a preliminary roster for the Nations League, and then they narrow it down. Gold Cup, I'm assuming you can still add some different players since that's not until like July. July, yeah. So it is what it is. I I, I mean, I look at this and I think you know we're probably good to go. Like I, I think this is a good good squad you're gonna see a lot of the euro players for um nations league i think you'll still see legit caught up for it just because mm-hmm. he usually Plays gets caught into those things uh just because he's he can play multiple positions he can be you know added at any time i don't expect Ochoa to get caught up to this and i don't know if they would let him Anyway, just because of his, he's starting for RSL right now. Like I don't, I don't think he's. Yeah, probably there's and um, there's probably a hefty fine for kicking balls into like Nation League Cup stands. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. Well, he was just trying to give it to a kid. Uh, did uh, you see his there. press conference? I loved his yeah. press conference. It was so cheeky of him. Especially great. when he says, "I called uh, their manager Adrian <laughs> Heath." I think his name is. <laughs> and he kind of gives that like. He gives a little chuckle. <laughs> Uh, this Did you is know they already, they already have the TV of everything set up like 7.30 June 3rd Honduras United States on Paramount Plus June 3rd Mexico versus Costa Rica 10pm Empower Field at Mile High both of them Empire Empower Field at Mile High uh, Paramount Plus um, third place match is June 6th at 6.30 on Paramount Plus and then June 6th uh, is the final um, and that's at 9pm on Paramount Plus which is good. I have summer, so I'll be able to see that. And we have Paramount Plus. And also, I mean, you have summer, but I mean, this is late at night, so I think yeah. you're good. I know that's why I'm excited. Oh, you mean the nine o'clock? Oh, yeah, because then, like, I'm not watching like uh, like this. Yeah, falling asleep is, at nine o'clock. Sunday's a really good one. It's a it's the Sounders LAFC game, and it's at like nine thirty. Yeah. yeah. So that's rough on me. Getting old. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anything else that stuck out to you at all this week, midweek games here before we go? 
Um, no, I think that we just mentioned uh, we will have a special guest. Brian Weigel is joining us back on uh, Tuesday to help us go over the TQL. Uh, I hate that name. What's West, West End Stadium? Yep, West End Stadium is opening up in Cincinnati uh, this weekend against the Inner Miami. Um, what do they call them? The I guess Pelicans. I don't know. Um, flamingos. Yeah, Flamingos are not Pelicans. Um, but yeah, they they we're gonna have Brian Weigel on from Cincy Soccer Talk. Uh, his his whole crew got uh, season tickets. I think against the for, Beckhams. Yeah, right. So they've got uh, tickets to the game. And we're going to talk about Brian or talk to Brian about we're it. Talk about him. We're going to talk about him and talk to him uh, <laughs> about uh, FC Cincinnati. Uh, hopefully we're covering them in a good light and we can enjoy the discussion about the stadium uh, like Jordan's uh, sporting his FC Cincy stuff. And I'll, I'll support mine on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, I, I'm yeah, hoping we have work been, Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, I'll just do it again. Nobody I just knows. got this new kit, so I was yeah. excited about it. It kind of, not going to lie to you, with the way it's cut off, it kind of looks like you're wearing a Barcelona jersey. Um, oh. It doesn't even look like the right colors. <laughs> I'm Okay, I don't see colors very well. Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we have Brian Weigel on to talk. Uh, a, a stadium that's, he said, not quite complete, but is close to getting completed uh, mm-hmm. here in the next coming month or so. Um, but looking forward to have Brian on again. Yeah, that's going to be late that we talk to him. So that episode's yeah. going to go up very late Tuesday. So you might want to watch it on Wednesday. Yeah. Because we're talking to him at like 8 p.m. Eastern, I think. Yeah, Eastern time. So by the time I edit that and all that, it's going to be like 10 o'clock. Yeah. So don't be like refreshing your feeds for all the hardcore fans at like yeah. 6 a.m. on Tuesday looking for that. Uh, but yeah, so that's about all that I have. I do want to just quick add here, I guess, for our own content. I will be talking Star Wars The Bad Batch, Episode 3, The Replacements, on uh, on The Pod Awakens, which is our Star Wars podcast, part of the 14301 Productions Podcasting Network. So you can follow us on Twitter, at Pod Awakens, if you want to find that there. Um, so far, so good. Really great animation. Uh, this episode was dark. <laughs> This episode was really dark. Uh, well, half of the storyline was anyway, but it was a little shocking. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that, listen to The Pod Awakens. I'll probably also be talking some Marvel stuff over on To the Infinity Saga and Beyond, our Marvel podcast. And tomorrow, Saturday mornings, I've been uploading our uh, reviews and look-aheads at uh, the USL, NISA, NPSL, all those smaller leagues over on the closed... I said that weird. The Closed Pyramid, (laughs) which is a YouTube series. So if you're watching us on YouTube, you can go to the YouTube and there's the playlist called The Closed Pyramid and you'll see episode two up there sometime Saturday morning along with uh, the Power Ranking show over there. Or if you go to the link tree, now we have updated the link tree where all the links to our socials have little logos at the bottom that you click and it takes you to the link. And the two links that we have sitting there at the top now are the YouTube playlist links for the closed pyramid and the power rankings. Uh, So that way it takes you right to that playlist and you can watch it. So if you're interested in those, um, definitely check those out. You can follow us on Twitter at stoppage, uh, at stoppage show at stateside show, (laughs) Instagram at stateside show, facebook.com slash stateside show, or email us 
statesideshow at gmail.com. If you want to hear us talk Premier League, you can go to Stop It Show <laughs> on Twitter, uh, where we are wrapping up our Premier League coverage over there. But yeah, that about does it for us here. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll catch you on Tuesday, late Tuesday, early Wednesday, for our recap of the weekend. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.